This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. Wait a second. What are you doing here? Well, it's like, you know, because this is like our 10th anniversary um, podcast, like I, I'm i going back to our very first one where I talked about, you know, the like Aliens, Omnibus, and um, Shishi. And, you know, it's like I just did like a brief overview of certain volumes in those, like back in the day. But now I want to do like a full, like accounting for the series because Mushishi, it's like was like was pretty great. It's like at least like I remember it being great. John, do you ever anything about it at all? You know what? Or? I watched the anime. Yes. And I really liked the anime. I thought it was great. Fantastic stuff. Yes, I love that, the, the art style. And I don't know. So you're just going to have to refresh my memory because, what, it's been like 10 years. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, um, you'll have to refresh my memory. Uh, I really enjoyed the art style in the anime. Is that, that, so I'm assuming that's kind of mimicked. I mean, it's mimicking what was uh, already put out in the manga. Am I correct? Yes. In fact, it's like I, uh, back in the... When I went back and listened to the original podcast, like I actually commented on how, like I actually kind of, I liked how the uh, how the anime like um, brought a sense of motion, like great sense of motion and color to the stories being told in, it's like in volume three of the manga. So like, so like I mean like it's like, like I said I, like I like I came to the, to the manga because of the because of the anime as well because like you know like because that's how things work that's how like things work in this like in our country like. It's like anime drives the manga, and that's how. Again, so like that's how I got got to follow, following it. So, and um, it's like, and I'm glad I did because you know it's like, it's like well the I think that the uh, the anime like is a very good adaptation of the, it's like of the manga. It's like there's also like um other good stories from in like it's like in the manga as well. But um, I guess we should probably talk about like the uh, it's like like the series itself so it's like basically um mushishi refers to like um is actually like a the title of a uh, is actually a profession like in the series like it's someone who deals with a um, mushi and mushi are basically kind of like um like things that are kind of like the building blocks of life it's like at one point it's described as you know like, hey if you imagine like if you take your hand like humans are kind of like the very tips of the of your fingers and then as you go down, it's like there's like animals, there's plant life, and then like getting all the way down to say your, it's like your elbow. That's where mushi are. Like mushi, it's like are just like kind of how like this. They're, they're, it's like they're little things that that have a great impact impact on how everything else plays out, like above them. It's the series is very atmospheric, almost just essential about how we. In, interact with nature the, the mushi themselves they're not good or evil they're just they're just part of our existence and um, whether or not they're actually it's like they're like they want to like having a good or um bad impact on like on human life that's all dependent on how we use them as like as a series now the best stories in mushishi basically involve a sense of world building or a good detective yarn because like they tell you about how it's like how the cultures of like of um of mushishi um like work in terms of, like um how they deal with mushi whether it's whether it's either by destroying them or by finding a way for them to peacefully coexist with like with humanity and also like the detective aspect comes in comes when the it's our series protagonist um ginko um tries to find a way to deal with 
um, like the mushishi that the, the mushishi of of the month, for lack of a better term. So now, Ginko is is um, he's a good protagonist of this series. He's it's like silver-haired, one-eyed guy who um, it's like who we learn who learn more about his history, like as the series goes on. It's like there, like um, Mushishi doesn't have an overall arc to it, but there are various mythology episodes where we learn about either about you know Ginko's past, like when he um, like at the po- one point where he um, beats when he, as as a boy, you know, before he lost lost his eye or be, or um changed or wanted having his hair color changed meets a uh it's like he meets a woman who it's like who introduces him to the um, like to the mysteries mysteries of mushi but um ginko it's like he's a uh, like I said, he's a good protagonist the thing because he has a great curiosity about how the mushi work and he is not averse to seeing like how like how these um like you know like how they interact with like um, where missing with them will get get you. Like, like sometimes he'll he'll say like, "Oh, I know how these mushi work. You don't want to do that. Do what you're doing." It's like so. Like I'm gonna, and he'll like he'll try to like warn people away from a certain path. And other times will go, huh, you know, it's like this hasn't been done before. Why don't we see where this is going to go? So, so he's a good. It's like I said, he's a good protagonist in terms of like letting things, like um, like I'm letting letting the story play out. And um, it's like, and it's like, and over these ten volumes, there are definitely a lot more good stories than <laughs> than bad. I don't think there are any truly bad Mushishi stories, but there are some that you know do do crystallize into a formula. In fact, I think most of the uh, the best stories um, are in like the first half 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 of this ten volume one run. Let's see, like you've got like. Stories like the first volume, uh, where um, called the Soft Horns, where Ginko encounters a boy, boy who's had who has horns growing out of his head, and he's able to hear certain certain voices. But um, this is also something that happened to his mother as well, and so now he has to figure out just you know how, like you know what happened to his mother and how to save this boy from, from from dying in the same way that she did. Um, then you got another story. Then you got a story in Volume Two, which, looking at my notes for this, it's like Volume Two had a lot of good stories. Um, the Mountain Sleeps is about a, mush- a mushishi who um, is training, who is training a disciple, but is also trying to become a um, is also trying to sacrifice himself to be a master of the mountain. Um, and master of the mountain, it's kind of like uh, you've all seen Princess Mononoke, right? Okay, well, it's like the. Um, it's like the uh, thing that uh, Ashitake uh, like encounter encounters, and the one that, that um, like proves to be not really the big bad, but the uh, the major presence that needs to be needs to be appeased and dealt with in order for everyone to live happily ever after as well. That, and there are and there are like several masters of the mountain. It's like in it's like like in Mushishi as well. This one in the mountain sleeps. This he deals with um how with the Mushishi who caused the death of a previous one and how he plans to atone as well and um ginkgo's role in um in how that plays out too um the sea of brushstrokes is a mythology um story which where we learn about a, a girl who has a um cursed mushi sealed within her leg that's that's kind of a that's um been part of her family line for several 
for um for several generations. It's like and she's and the only way that's that the that the mushiness in her leg are able to be contained are by are through stories about how other mushi are are dealt with, either by destruction or as Inko tells tells her, you know, mushi that are it's like that learn to live within learn, the mushi that learn to live with 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 humanity as well. It's like and it's like I said, it's a good, it's an interesting story that, that tells you more about the Mushishi culture, and it's like, and also like you know how they passed down their history as well. It's like, and then there's like the Veil Spore, also in the same volume, where about a um a new bride who winds up who winds up getting a um attracting a spore on her wedding um, pilgrimage through the through the, uh, through the forest, <coughs> and then um giving birth to like identical um. T- like identical children who are who are like who are also mushi, but you know like they're also her children as well. It's like how do you deal with you know these kids who, you know yeah they're yeah they, they're kind of creepy they're kind of strange but they're also your children, and it's like and it's like it's a lot, a lot of tough interesting decisions right there. You've also got um, stuff that I talked about back in the day, um the first one like in volume three like the cry like I said the cry of rust. Which has um, like a mushi that are like that are like that are that are like rust that are trying to that um, inhibit people's movements and the girl and the mute girl who has a, a connection to them and how um, it's like and how Ginko has to find a way to um, unlock like you know the, like and just what, how this girl how this girl is connected to them and how how they can find a way to get get these um, mushi like away from every, everyone and then there's also um, White living in the inkstone, also from the same volume, which has um, like an inkstone that was that was you that was created um, that was created by um, through imprisoned mushi and um, robs people of their heat when they to, when they use them. It's also um, cre- like um, um, pr- like a part of the pr- property of a um, a, a mushishi um, fanboy, her collector who. He was, shows up several times in the series, like you know, like picking up like interesting items about like relating to to Mushi, and um, I think it would, like will show up, like try and try to deal with this guy as well. Just you know, it's like it's kind, of, you know, it's kind of fun. And then um, the fish gaze, also from from Volume Three, um, is like about like I said, it's about like what I mentioned Ginko's earliest days, about how he met met this um, one-eyed silver-haired woman. And was initiated into the mysteries of Mushi as well, and also um, picking the empty cocoon from Volume Four about a uh, like a woman who um, like who masterminds the uh, the way um, Mushi communicate with each other over long distances through messages passed through um, certain cocoons. Now she was she had a twin sister that um, that they were working together in order to um, you know like. You know, learn these tricks of this trade, but because of like how the mushi work, she lost her sister to like um to the mysteries of this specific mushi, and now um like she's been trying for years to try and find a way to get her back. And Ginko um like offers his his own expertise in trying to f- help her gain closure on this. Now, it's a good story that offers like lots of interesting bits about mushi, such as the the uh, sort of like. A, a mushi who um tried to, who went who went through um like these like these caves like these soft caves 
to try and find a way through like 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 through these places that would that would normally um cause people to be lost forever and like how he um laid out a chain that would like see you safely through these places and like that's like a, that's interesting music interesting stories interesting world building because like i want to know like you know what how did this guy you know find a way through these places in order to lay down a chain that would let people go safely through them but at the same time though it's like the final page offers up a uh, big big old sloppy happy ending for like for this story and i and you know it's like well you know it's like i don't want to like like say anything against a good happy ending but you know like they about a real happy ending is something that has to feel earned and as Mushishi goes on, um, there's there's a lot of these stories that you know have happy endings that um, don't that really don't feel earned. That you know it's like it's that they um, that in the end like it, it's create that you know, even for like some of the danger that they they set up at some point, it's like it all kind of works out well in the end. And you know that's that's fine and all, but at the same time, you start kind of hoping hoping that you know like they're for something for something different like they're like i think that there are some parts of uh, that the uh, nature of mushishi of the mushi themselves they do kind of lend themselves to good would good to a good horror story like the idea of like you know like they're like these things aren't you know inherently good or evil but they kind of like you know like depend on the humans themselves now there is one story um late in the series about a uh like a mushi, mushi that affects a human she, who's been living for 300 years through means that are, you know, quite gruesome and a little bit morbid. It's like, and, and pretty wrong too. But, um, that's like the closest the series gets to, um, like dwelling in ab, like in abject horror, just that one bit. And even then, like it still kind of works out, um, like fine for every, for everyone involved. I, the more I read the series, especially as the series like went into the sec- in its second half, it's like you get the feeling that it does kind of like descend into into like a formula, like you know how things are going, you know how things are going to turn out. And while it's certainly never bad, it's like like the uh, the imagination and awe that the first half stokes um, doesn't quite carry over to the uh, to the second half. If I'm being co- if I'm being completely honest as well, I mean, like I said. Um, the entire series, like, like I said, it's like there, even even in the back half, there are still some pretty good stories. In the final um, volume, which is a three-in-one edition, um, because uh, the series was originally published by Del Rey, and um, it wrapped up. And the series wrapped up as they were being going to be um, as, they, as they were as they were transitioning over from being acquired by um, being um, Kodansha's um, manga publishing operation. So they um, basically just churned out like a three-in-one edition to wrap up the series which i am very grateful for and that final final story which has um ginkgo encountering a human a uh, master of the mountain like is it's like is definitely one of the better ones of the uh it's like of the back half so it's like so overall yeah i do think the series is worth reading it's like, like i said it's just i guess if you really wanted like the best parts of it you can get um just get the first half volumes one through five if you want to like get the entire series, you know, like I said, you're not going to encounter like any bad, it's like any bad stories. Um, but you, 
but um, like I said, it's like the like the first the first half is definitely better than the second. Now, as far as um, buying or acquiring their series, if you're going to pay, if you want to pay pay for this in print, huh, better open your fucking wallet, man, because this series is out. It's out of it. It was not licensed rescued by, like by Kodansha. So, so like if you so if you're going to so, um, while some of this, some of the volumes are cheap, others will require you pay upwards of sixty bucks, in, like in print. So, but fortunately, um, like um, Kodansha did um, um, reprint the series digitally. So if you want to pay, you know, like eleven bucks like per volume, or twenty for the final three in one, or you know just wait until like a sale comes around. In fact. There's a big old Kodansha sale on right now. I believe you can, at Comixology. I believe you can get the entire series for six bucks a volume, except for the final one, which um, will probably set you back ten, like a like a tenner and all. So there you go. But um, so yeah. Um, so John, it's like any thoughts on your end before I before I wrap this all up? Hmm. So. Uh, when you said the Mushishi of the week, you were saying it tends to be a little formulaic, um, but that doesn't mushishi ruin the... Mushishi of the month. Mushishi of the month, ladies and this gentlemen. Is, I, I'm guessing yes. this is a, um, this is a month, this is, this starts to be a monthly, um, series due to the, um, the, like, every chapter is, like, extra, is, like, 50 pages or so. Mm. So, so it's like, it's, that's, that's, it's like, I imagine, like, it was, like I said, it's, this wasn't a, uh, like a weekly series, it was a monthly series. So okay, well, and uh, but I mean, still though, worth reading, absolutely, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I, it's like it was, like I said, oh, like I said, it was good. It was good fun rediscovering the series as I like to reread it for this, like for this podcast. Def, definitely, like I said, even like I said, even though it was like I was kind of disappointed, like you know, like how things, um, it's like you know, kind of like, I kind of like how it's really odd subject matter like did kind of crystallize into a formula as things things went on it's like i was i still really like really enjoyed it it's like like i still really enjoyed rereading it overall okay all right do you know what you're going to talk about next time oh yeah because next time be sure to lock up the wolves don't ride down strange highways or look for rainbows in the dark instead join up with the metal militia heed the call of cthulhu face a thing that should not be in holy wars on devil's iron that's right the mob rules that we use voodoo to seek seek the sign of the southern cross as neon knights because it's time for dc's latest event metal be here to throw the horns in two weeks time all right well that sounds metal catch you next time on comic picks by the click laters bye